Can you actually boost your immune system with supplements or vitamins, even what you have for dinner each night? A lot of us are asking those questions today, out of concern over contracting COVID-19 or other respiratory illnesses. This is Gina DiPietro with Novant Health Healthy Headlines. In this episode, Roland Wilkerson discusses those questions with Dr. Russell Greenfield of Novant Health Integrative Medicine. Greenfield is an expert in taking a holistic approach to medicine and offers straight talk around the hype and claims that come with supplements being marketed to consumers today. Um, we hear a lot of people taking supplements, um, uh, buying supplements from uh, grocery stores and drug stores to boost their immunity. What's your take on that? It's an area of great controversy. There's a lot of fear swelling around right now because of the coronavirus that has just gone from being an epidemic to a pandemic. And so concerns, especially for those in our community who have underlying heart and lung disorders, those who are over the age of 70, people who might be at greater risk um, from the illness, people are reaching out and saying, what can we do? What, what can we do on our own to try and take care of ourselves? As we know, there is no vaccine yet, and the recommendations that are out there are general preventive measures that we typically use for cold and flu season, and they're very, very effective. So things like washing our hands and getting adequate sleep and all those types of things are actually very, very important, but people are looking for more. And so when looking for more, we like to talk about things like getting adequate sleep, like managing stress, like eating healthily, all those kinds of things, but they're not real exciting for people. And so they start looking for the pills and the supplements and things of that right. nature. And so there's debate out there, I would say, as to whether you can actually goose your immune system or boost your immune system during cold flu or even coronavirus, um, novel coronavirus season. I like to think that actually you can, largely through diet and lifestyle measures. There are certain supplements that look promising in this regard, but they are nowhere near proven. And so people shouldn't be running out and buying all manner of things, saying I need to take this and this and this and this. Because remember, if something has an action in the body, it may have an interaction in the body. And so if people are on prescription medications, all the more reason to be very cautious about using some of the over-counter agents. So some of the over-the-counter agents that are talked about are things like zinc and vitamin C, and vitamin D and elderberry and astragalus. There's a lot of different remedies that are out there. So let's talk about a couple of those. Zinc has the reputation of having antiviral activity. Um, and that's where some of these um, recommendations come about using certain zinc-based products for colds and even perhaps for the flu. But again, this is a novel coronavirus, meaning that it, we really don't know very much about it. It's only recently been discovered. And so we're learning as we go. Does that mean that zinc will be effective for people who have uh, perhaps exposure to this novel coronavirus? We don't know. So should you go out and buy you know, uh, zinc lozenges against cold or stuff like that? I would think not. Perhaps the only folks who might take additional zinc are those who are known to have low zinc levels or who are taking medications that might actually impair um, absorption of zinc and things of that nature. So most folks don't need to be taking additional zinc. People who are uh, indoors for most of the time or um, hospitalized for a prolonged period of time or who are known to have low vitamin D levels probably should be taking a vitamin D supplement. Yes, you can get vitamin D from being outdoors, but again, when it's cold outside or if you're in the shade or things of that nature, your vitamin D levels during the winter months typically are going to drop to some degree. 
you can get vitamin D from certain foods like um, vitamin D fortified foods and even mushrooms and things of that nature. But in order to really raise your vitamin D level, you really do need to take a supplement. Most people can safely take 1,000 to 2,000 IU or international units of vitamin D3. There's vitamin D2 and there's vitamin D3. Vitamin D3 is just a little bit better utilized by the body. There are some st statistical evidence out there, some epidemiologic evidence that suggests that when your vitamin D level is above the lower limits, what we call 30 nanograms per ml, if it's above there, it can actually help to prevent um, viral illnesses. It's not absolute, but there's a suggestion in that regard. So it's not a bad idea to ask your primary care doctor if you can just have a baseline vitamin D level drawn so that if it is low, you know that you need to supplement. If it's very low, you might need a higher dose of that for a period of six to eight weeks. And should you uh, talk to your doctor before even buying a, a simple vitamin D supplement um, if you're healthy? We usually recommend that if you're gonna be taking any vitamin supplement or herb, because you've got a primary care doctor who's supposed to be your partner in keeping you healthy and well, tell them about everything that you're taking or even considering taking. Because again, if you have, let's say, a, a certain illness where your calcium level is very high and you hear that vitamin D is good for you, it is generally, but vitamin D increases calcium absorption. So if you have an illness where your calcium levels are quite high, having more calcium in your system might be harmful to you. Taking vitamin D might not be in your best interest in that regard. For most people in the population, vitamin D is gonna be safe, but not everybody. And so yes, absolutely, talk with your doctor, talk with your pharmacist, make certain that the combination of things that you're thinking about taking are not only potentially effective for you, but first and foremost, safe for you. Gotcha, and what about vitamin C? I mean, it's been out there for decades as a, a, a possible, um, of uh, effective strategy for warding off uh, colds and, and other things, and you see it, it mentioned in a lot of um, in a lot of supplements. What's the latest thinking on that? Indeed, and a lot of people swear by vitamin C around cold season, and most of the data would suggest that vitamin C doesn't necessarily help prevent um, illness very effectively, but it might help shorten the duration of an illness. Honestly, the single best way to get your vitamin C is to eat plenty of vegetables and fruit. Yes, you can take vitamin C supplements, and yes, generally speaking, they're pretty safe for folks. But once you start getting up above, oh, the, the 500 milligram range or even a 1,000 milligram range, some people start getting a little bit of stomach upset. They might get a little bit of gas, they might get diarrhea, especially when they're going up to the 2,000 milligram range. Remember, under ordinary circumstances, anything more than about 200 milligrams a day, we're going to lose um, in our urine. Um, and so the best way, obviously, to get this again is through eating a healthy diet. Enjoy those vegetables. Enjoy those fruits. Get your vitamin C that way. Yes, indeed, if you feel like you're coming down with something, sometimes increasing the vitamin C intake by a supplement to, let's say, upwards of 500 milligrams or so, that might actually be beneficial. It really depends on the individual. But do I think that everybody needs to go out there right now and take additional vitamin C? I don't. You'll also hear about things like the herbal remedies, echinacea, elderberry, astragalus, garlic, things like that, where there are some intriguing studies suggesting that they have some significant antiviral activity. But again, because this is a novel virus, new, we really don't know, we can't say that the evidence that's out there against certain forms of flu or cold or even other viruses means that we can take that and bring it over and say it's gonna be effective against this novel coronavirus. We simply don't know. So what do we say? Hey, you know what? Maybe eat a little bit more garlic in your food. 
Um, if you wanted to explore elderberry extract, generally speaking, it's quite safe. Um, most folks, as long as they don't have allergies to certain flowers, would be safe taking elderberry extract. Um, echinacea is typically used to try and treat a cold, not necessarily to try and prevent a viral infection. So we wouldn't necessarily say go out and get that. Astragalus is an interesting agent. It is a Chinese herbal remedy that is often used, again, to try and goose the immune system just a little bit. And it's most commonly used during cold and flu season. So I'll be honest with you in that I'm taking astragalus right now, even though I have no evidence to say that it's going to protect me further against um, this novel coronavirus. But it's cold and flu season. I typically take it anyway. Most labels will say that you have to take this agent three times a day. To get the benefit, I take it twice a day. Many of my patients do as well. It's just a little safety net that looks to be safe. The only caution here for many of these immune boosting agents, for anybody who has an autoimmune disorder, an underlying inflammatory disease like rheumatoid arthritis, even asthma, things like that, if you're taking an immune boosting agent, you might be activating your immune system even more. And so if you have underlying inflammation or underlying autoimmunity, it may not be in your best interest to take an agent like that. So you really got to talk to your doctor in, in those cases especially. You really do. And even people talk about medicinal mushrooms like reishi and maitake, which again have the reputation of kind of goosing, boosting the immune system. Eating them is one thing because you're getting a lower concentration of the effects from the, these agents, but the extracts are concentrated. And so if you have an underlying disorder where there's inflammation at play, you probably don't want to be taking a highly concentrated extract of something that's going to goose your immune system right now. So what about the notion of boosting your immune system through certain foods? Um, beyond, I mean, obviously eating healthy lots of fruits and vegetables is a good idea, but are there certain foods you can eat that, that may ward off certain things? It, probably not, to be honest with you. Now, there are lots of people out there who say you got to eat more of this or you got to eat more of that. So, example, you know, we're talking about getting more zinc in your diet. So it's actually, you get a lot of zinc from um, seafood, especially shell food, um, you know, certain meats. Um, seeds and nuts, things that even a little bit of dark chocolate can give you zinc. So you know, a lot of people say, okay, I'll go work for that. And so, you know, you can use that. You can use, again, the vegetables and fruits in order to get your vitamins uh, C up, you know, that, eating a little bit more garlic. So, yeah, but the idea here is to have your food be, you know, a source of joy, have it be nourishing in a lot of ways, and using that as just another safety net in order to try and keep yourself well. It's about balance. It's not saying, hey, you need to need to eat more of this particular food in order to try and stave off getting um, coronavirus infection. It's really saying how do we balance out and optimize your overall health and well-being because that's what's going to put you in the best um, situation to try and keep an illness at bay even if you are exposed. As an example, we talk about stress management and getting adequate sleep. Well, again, that's not very exciting, but think about it. During cold and flu season, when people are under stress and if they're not getting enough sleep, are they more likely to get that cold or flu, that viral infection than under ordinary circumstances? Yes. So giving ourselves a little bit more of a cushion, creating a little bit more opportunity for adequate sleep, for managing stress in healthy ways, that goes a long way to trying to prevent getting an infection as well. Is it hard to get patients to listen to that? Because we hear it a lot, and so I think people almost tune it out sometimes. So is there anything you say to drive home on, on the importance of these basics? I think we hear eat well and sleep well, and then we just say, yeah, right, and we go on with our lives. Um, what, what do you tell people to try to really get them to lock into that? 
Well, I think you're right. It's, you know, again, it's not real sexy to say, well, make right. sure you get enough sleep and, and stuff like that until you take a look at the research data. And one of the things that everybody wants in a setting like we're in right now is some degree of certainty because there's so much uncertainty swirling around. What happens here? What if I get exposed there? And doesn't mean that I might get sick and all that. And actually, when you take a look at the statistics here, most people are pretty safe from uh, getting exposed. Um, even if they do get the illness, most people who are otherwise healthy and who are on the younger side of things have, it appears, very little to worry about. But we're trying to take care of everybody in our community, and that's where a lot of these preventive measures are coming in, because there are folks who could get very sick from this illness. So when you hear, well, just make sure you get plenty of sleep, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, the data here look very, very good about getting adequate sleep. And what is that? Trying to get at least seven hours of sleep at night going to bed at the same time every night, turning off the electronics, you know, all those kinds of things so that we can get adequate sleep. But why? Because when we do, it actually naturally gooses our immune system. And in the sitting where we want, a setting rather, where we want some degree of control, where things might feel out of control, anything we can do on our own, getting adequate sleep, eating just a little bit more healthily, you know, making sure we're doing what we can to manage our stress. Maybe look at a vitamin or supplement in concert with our pharmacist or our doctor, all things that are proactive in this regard, give us some sense of control in settings that look like they're uncertain. And so finally, if people are out there reading uh, um, you know, their news feeds and they're seeing information about new supplements or new strategies that feel like it's outside the norm, what's the one question they ought to be asking themselves before they adopt a different lifestyle or go to the drugstore to look for X, Y, or Z? I would say the first thing is uh, it's less a question than to say most folks don't need to make drastic changes right now. You know, they just, they really, in many ways, they just need to be a little bit kind with themselves. It's a crazy world right now, and right now coverage around coronavirus is everywhere, and so it has everybody concerned. But there are ways we can take care of ourselves. You know, washing our hands does not sound very exciting, and it works. So we can't necessarily control where, if we get exposed or not, but we can control what happens after we're exposed by washing our hands, doing our best, you know, trying not to touch um, our, our face. And why? Because there's mucous membranes there where the virus can actually gain access to our system. So we're just doing our best to try and be careful to the degree that we can. With regards to any kind of changes in diet or vitamin supplements or things of like that, it behooves us to keep in mind that there are marketers out there that will take advantage of these circumstances around fear and um, great concern. And it behooves us to take a big deep breath and think, does this fit with my lifestyle and my belief system? And can I talk to my pharmacist or doctor about it and make certain that I'm making a prudent and reasonable, rational choice? So, last question. Any tricks for not touching our face? <laughs> you know, even those who go around saying, you know, don't touch your face, literally within about five minutes, we're touching our exactly. face. Exactly. So, we're all seeing the video. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, you know, be kind with yourself. This kind of stuff's going to happen. Just, you know, if you had to do one thing, honestly, it's really, it really is not exciting, but it really is wash your hands for at least a minimum of 20 seconds. Minimum. Sing happy birthday to yourself a couple of times and you've got enough time in there. And, you know, interesting enough, there's some cool studies that um, recently came out showing that it doesn't matter whether the water is cold or warm. Just really? make certain that you are uh, washing your hands with an adequate amount of soap, covering your hands um, throughout, um, patting them dry, and, and it really makes a huge difference. So, again, little things 
may not be very exciting, but they give us control. And wherever we can take control in a setting of uncertainty, that's really good for us. Gina DiPietro again. As Dr. Greenfield said, it's only understandable that many of us are looking for an edge when it comes to protecting ourselves from illness, especially when something new comes along. While some consumers snatch supplements off drugstore shelves in hopes of a silver bullet, the best thing we can do is wash our hands a lot, get plenty of sleep, and eat a healthy diet. For advice on all three, check out Novant Health Healthy Headlines, where you'll find recipes, advice, and guidance from Novant Health doctors and other providers. We have new podcasts all the time. Take a minute to subscribe. Most of our episodes are just 15 minutes. Thanks for listening.